Listening to NPR on the way to the office this week, I heard a delightful interview with a young woman named Amber Scher. She was speaking about her new book entitled Subpar Parks, America's Most Extraordinary National Parks and Their Least Impressed Visitors. In her book, she has creatively coupled her beautiful art of the country's most beautiful protected places with the one-star reviews that they have gotten from disappointed visitors. There is, for example, uh, the person who complained that they only saw one humped back whale while visiting Alaska's Kenai Fords National Park. Only one. Can you believe it? Or the folk who visited Hawaii's Volcanoes National Park and sniped, didn't even get to touch the lava. One of my favorites is the review of my beloved home's North Cascades National Park. Too many mountains, trees, snow, etc. The book has everything from complaining about no cell service to the fact that they were the only people there, juxtaposed against beautiful illustrations and written depictions of these natural places. It's hilarious, ridiculous. I made Mark Tetzel buy it immediately because he had to. And it reminded me this week, as I studied our scriptures, of our human propensity to the idea of scarcity. Scarcity is not a state of being. It's a thinking trap. It's bondage in our brains that keeps us focused and distracted and stuck on what is not enough. It's so easy. Y'all know this. We've just survived through 2020, right? It's so easy to start thinking worst-case scenario. It feels less disappointing to just expect the worst, right? And then you start to become one of those people who just starts to give one-star reviews to everything in life, not just the national parks, just everything. But the opposite of scarcity is abundance. And the way to abundance, which is the antidote to scarcity, is gratitude. The difference between a one-star review and living in wonder at seeing that one hump back whale. Living in scarcity mindset has negative ramifications in our lives. It keeps us from being generous, right? If we were there at a real, at a real camp, camping trip with the kiddos and they were afraid that they weren't going to have enough to eat, they maybe not wouldn't share their their carrots and their potatoes. And certainly the kid with the cookies probably would have kept it. But it keeps us from being generous. It keeps our hearts and our circles small. But mo most of all, it blocks that gratitude and the boldness of love and hope and abundance that that gratitude fuels. Our gospel story is the only miracle that shows up in all the gospels. The feeding of the 5,000. The miracle of the loaves and the fish. In this morning's account in John, there is a crowd of 5,000 who gather to seek out Jesus. And these are the folk that we've, that we've heard about for the last weeks, that they are in need of a shepherd. They were lost. They had no direction. They wanted purpose. They wanted hope. They needed what Jesus brought. Most of us have a plan when we go out for a long period of time or hike or whatever, especially if we have kids, right? We have snacks, and we have sunscreen, and we have extra long sleeves tucked away for any eventuality. And I imagine it was similar for folk in the first century. But encountering Jesus was not a typical day. 
and many gathered that day had not thought to bring their cooler full of Lone Stars and pulled pork sandwiches. And yes, if you're wondering, that is a public stance on my choice of Texas beers. China people are welcome to buy me six packs to try to convince me otherwise. <laughs> so for the most part, the 5,000 that were gathered that day, drawn in by the compelling love, light, and healing of Christ, did not come prepared. Philip, one of the disciples, helpfully pointed out that even if they could get to a store or restaurant to feed these guys, it would require more than six months' wages. Jesus, in his care, was not just worried about their salvation and their healing. He was not just worried about giving them hope, about giving them a purpose. He was also concerned about their immediate needs. God is the God of creation and new beginnings. God is the God of transformation and resurrection. And God is the God of the care for us right now in every moment. Jesus could have miraculously downloaded a feast from heaven. Lone stars for everyone, right? But Jesus did not do that. Jesus used the people to feed people. A hint at what was to come when he ascended and we became his body, his love. A young man came forward with five barley loaves, the bread of the poor, and two fish. It was a simple peasant's meal, nothing fancy, nothing extra, but his generosity met with divine power, fed thousands with 12 baskets left over. I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure 12 baskets is even more than the original food that was brought. If that young man had allowed his heart and head to get stuck in the thinking trap of scarcity and hoarded that food to himself, if, like the disciples who looked at that crowd and thought of how impossible and overwhelming it was to feed so many, if he had not offered up that meager offering, he would not have experienced the joy and awe of Jesus multiplying his small gift. We think our gifts are small. We just do. And scarcity tells us to play it safe. Scarcity tells us that we should trust our fear over faith so we won't be disappointed. Scarcity tells us that we will fail so it's better to not try in the first place. But scarcity is a liar. Scarcity makes us small and limits us. And God's economy has no place for it. I'm curious. What ways does scarcity hold you back? What ways has it convinced you that your gifts are simply too small to make a dent in the healing of the world? Perhaps it's something as small as not wanting to try something new because you don't think you'll be good at it. Maybe it's not wanting to engage a problem because it feels too big. Perhaps it's not trusting that whatever you bring will be multiplied by God's abundance. It happens over and over. God abundantly blesses us and we turn to fear. And this is not meant to be a guilt trip, only a reminder, a reorientation that God provides for us and that when we have something small, that is simply an opportunity 
for God's greatness to be revealed. Whatever it is that's keeping you back right now, remember, scarcity is a liar. You are enough. In the places you lack, God will shore you up. And do not allow the lie of not enough to keep you from your destiny in God's abundance. I'm not speaking this morning of financial gain, just to be clear. I wish I was. I really would love to preach the prosperity gospel and have that be true. That'd be real fun for all of us to be rich. But this is not what it's about. This last week we watched as the richest man in the world used his resources for a joyride into space. Can you imagine how much difference could have been made with that same amount of money that was used for a 10-minute, 10-second ride if it was used to feed the hungry or provide childcare and tuition for single parents or put into cancer research? God's promise is not that we will get rich. God's promise is that as we walk by faith, God will provide. And through our generosity, through our service, through our ability to be courageous and trust ourselves and others, God will demonstrate God's power and love and abundance and joy and hope. We're gathered here today because we believe that there is more to this life than simply surviving, simply getting the next shiny thing. We believe that small and weak as we are, God fills us up with grace and unconditional love. And that's unstoppable. And that the meager gifts that we provide will be multiplied and used for the healing and sustenance of the world. We have a choice, beloved of God. We can look at all that is around us and be like, meh, one star. Not enough. Not impressed. Would not recommend. Or we can choose to live in God's abundance. We can watch as God's divine power heals us, heals the world, and makes it all more than enough. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Oceans.